Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Have you ever noticed how many cliches you encounter in a day? Cliché. A phrase or opinion that is overused or betrays a lack of original thought. And life is full of cliches. If if you know it, say it with me. Don't knock it until you try. Cliché. Maybe you've heard this one. No pain. Yeah, see? You encounter these every day. I I like this one, and this one's a little confusing. It actually has my son messed up mentally. He's trying to process it and figure it out, but but I think he'll get there. You can't have your cake. Uh, It's a, you know... It's a brain twister a little bit, but you can get there. And cliches with my wife can be very interesting. We call them Mandyisms around my household. Um, Mandy, Mandy told me last year, I, I remember that. I, the reason I know this, I put Mandyisms in my phone when she's not looking. And, and Mandy said this. She woke up one morning. She said, I slept like a Mack truck last night. What does that even mean? I mean, and if, if you know the, the cliches, then you know she was kind of cramming two of them together, which she often does with, I slept like a baby last night, and I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck, and somehow it came out, I slept like a Mack truck last night. <laughs> last night we were at a concert down in Lakeland, and the event photographer... Uh, we were about four rows, four or five rows back from the front, and the event photographer came to us before the show, and he said, listen, first three songs, I'm going to be in the back zooming in, taking pictures, and then I'm going to be sitting here next to you. And so when he came in after the third song, like clockwork, he came in and he, he sat down next to Mandy, and we're, we're watching the concert, and I can tell he's opening a package of something, and whatever, I knew he was, he was eating. He was eating something, and so on the way home, Mandy said, and I quote, He was eating those M&Ms like they were, what would you say? Going out of style, or if you're not creative at all, like they're candy, you know, yeah. So Mandy said this, he was eating those M&Ms like they were going away. (laughs) Yep, I think you're on to something, babe. (laughs) Eating those M&Ms like they're going away. We often use cliches to soothe or soften, soften the situation. And it's not that they bring answers. They become the explanation where there is no explanation. And so that's why we develop these cliches. We use cliches to bring some kind of resolution to a situation that has no logical explanation at all. And this is because we as humans, we don't particularly care for the unknown. We like to know things. We like to be in the know. We like to have that knowledge because to us, knowledge is that power. And so when we don't have that knowledge, we start grasping for something. So to bring closure to the uncomfortable or the unpredictable of the unknown, we offer up familiar catchphrases to explain simply what we do not know. And Christians, we're the worst at offering spiritual cliches. We have them. 
And, and we all say them. Uh, maybe you've heard this one. God is my co-pilot. I remember when those bumper stickers were popular. They're not anymore. So if you have that on your car, take it off, okay? But, but especially after I kind of give you this thought, really, God is your co-pilot? I think you'd be better off if God is piloting that jet, okay? You just need to be a flight attendant in the back somewhere. That's, you know, what would you like to drink? Do you want pretzels? You know, that's your job. Let God take care of piloting your life, amen? Here's another one. God spoke and bang, it happened. Okay. Does that offer the world any real explanation of, of creation? Because, because science and, and, and how we can't somehow bring science and, and creation together, we get uncomfortable with that. And so we just try and explain it away with God spoke and bang, it happened. Cliché. So I want to take some time this month to look at some of our Christian cliches that as innocent as they may seem, they are quite theologically inadequate. This is not an effort to remove cliches from our vocabulary. I'll tell you this, after I preach this, this sermon and this series for this month, you're going to hear me use some spiritual cliches from time to time. It's just habit. It's what we do. So it's not an effort to try and eliminate those, but I just feel like it's important for us to have a good theological foundation before we buy into some of our most beloved spiritual catchphrases. Because even as Christians, us having the greatest hope in life, even having that hope on our side, we sometimes too don't know how to respond to life's uncertainties. And that's why we offer some of the spiritual cliches that we share. All too often we find ourselves in an uncomfortable situation and we find ourselves relying on Christian cliches to get us out of that conversation. I was talking with someone yesterday actually that told me about them. They ran into an old friend, someone that we used to go to church with, and they ran into an old friend. And as, as the guy came walking up to, to this guy I'm talking to, the, the, the guy I was talking to, he looked at him and he said, man, you look good, man. You've lost some weight. To which the guy looked at him and said, yeah, I've got cancer. That's an uncomfortable moment, right? I mean, when, when that is thrown out there, when, when, when you hear that line of, yeah, I've lost weight, but it's not by choice. It's because I'm going through chemotherapy right now and my body is reacting to that. I've been sick and, and all this. And it becomes so uncomfortable. At that moment, we just, you know, check, please. I'm out of this conversation. And whatever we can say to get out of there as quick as, as, quick as we can, that's what we want to do. So what do we do? We find the first Christian cliche that we can find and we bail out of it. Because spiritual cliches, they, they provide two things for us. First of all, they provide some type of an answer to uncertainty, even though it's not an answer at all, but, but in our minds it brings closure to it. And the second thing that it does is it gives us a way out of conversations. It doesn't even have to be an uncomfortable conversation. You can be talking with someone and they're sharing with you their life story and how life is falling apart for them. And simply because you're not interested in it, you will offer some type of spiritual cliche to walk away from that. 
And one of the worst spiritual cliches that we have is, I'll be praying for you. No, don't say that. We've been talking with some men around here lately, and, and this was actually part of Man Up a few months ago, a couple of months ago. We're, we just were trying to develop that mindset with us to where we don't say, I'm going to pray for you. We actually start praying right then and right there in that moment. So sometimes these, these Christian cliches, these spiritual cliches, they provide us a way out of conversations that we simply don't want to be a part of. And I want to start this series by looking at a phrase that we've all said at one time or another. And here's the cliche. Everything happens for a reason. Maybe you've used that, that phrase this week. Maybe even today. Everything happens for a reason. And Oftentimes, when something is beyond our control, and, and when something like that happens, we look for a meaning in the mishap, and we will say everything happens for a reason. Does it? Does it? Does it really happen for a reason? Is this part of God's plan? So we, we fall back on that statement. Everything happens for a reason. And this is a spiritually intellectual way of saying it's just meant to be. That whatever you face in life, this was supposed to happen. It's meant to be. And we try and console each other or maybe even ourselves by saying that God has brought this tragic event on a person's life for a particular person, or for a particular purpose rather, or that he at least has allowed it for a particular purpose in their life. And for some reason we find comfort in that. And I propose that this does more harm than it does good. I'm probably going to tick some of you off in, 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 in this, but I just I want to help us. Theology and, 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 and the right mindset of God and the heart of God has to flow out of our lives. You know what this looks like in your own life. If you're delayed in traveling in any way, you do not arrive at your destination at the assigned time. You're delayed in traveling. You know, maybe it was car troubles. Maybe your car wouldn't start. Or, or this past week, you're, you're running late for work, but there's, there's ice on your windshield. So you've got to wait until the defroster melts the ice on your windshield. Or, 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 or maybe you spill coffee on yourself as you're walking out the door. Or for some of the moms in the room, that you're, you're carrying your child about ready to walk out, and the child spits up on your shirt. And it delays you. Now you have to go change your shirt. And so you are delayed and, and everything happens for a reason. You know, I, I, God calls Johnny to spit up on my shirt so that I didn't get in a car accident. As if the reason why you did not have that accident on the way to work was because of that spit up or because of that spilled coffee. So here's my question to you. If God can spill your coffee, or he can cause your child to have acid reflux, can God not control the steering of your car? This is deep. I know. It's so deep, I'm only going to focus on one verse today. That's how deep this is. How about this? If your spouse doesn't get the promotion on his or her job that they were hoping for and praying for even, you may offer, everything happens for a reason. 
That's the cliche that we fall back to. And this brings comfort and it takes all responsibility off of human error. What if your spouse simply is not qualified for that? Or what if the human error side of that is the boss simply overlooked your spouse, overlooked you? Human error changes things sometimes. I'm sorry, but it does. And we offer this cliche of everything happens for a reason. But how can you look at the parents of a five-year-old that's just been diagnosed with leukemia and look them in the eyes and say, everything happens for a reason? Or how can you look at a little girl that she just lost her father in a tragic car accident? And you look at her and you say, everything happens for a reason. You wouldn't. Because it's heartless. But what you must understand is that when you spit that phrase out, everything, it encompasses a whole lot because it covers everything. Everything, everything happens for a reason. Everything. There's a whole lot in that. The good, the bad, the ugly, it's all there. So I want us to look at the origin of this phrase and see if we can make any sense out of it. Romans 8 and 28. That's the only verse I want you to turn to today. Romans 8 and 28. I believe that this Christian cliche of everything happens for a reason was originated and derives from Romans 8 and 28. I'm going to read it from three different translations this morning. The first translation is going to be the first English translation of the Bible. What we would call the King James Version, even though we don't read the original King James Version because it's been modified so that you can actually understand it somewhat, even though it's even still hard to understand at times. And trust me when I say Jesus did not read the King James Version of the Bible, okay? But let me offer the King James Version of Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now I want us to go over to the English Standard Version, the ESV version of the Bible. Very similar. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see it right there, right? It's there. There it is. All things work together for good. This is just a short step from our mentality of everything happens for a reason. It's not necessarily what the Bible said. However, with the human mindset, we can very easily come to that conclusion that everything happens for a reason because all things work together for good. But if I had to pick a translation that gives us what I believe is a more accurate theological view, I would have to read this verse in the New International Version, the NIV, uh, the, the, that version of the Bible. Now listen to me. I'm not necessarily, that's not necessarily my go-to translation. I, I really like the ESV. It's what I preach from most of the time. I often quote the King James because that's what I was raised on. But there's something special about the New International Version, and there's a word that is used in that translation that I believe beautifully captures the heart of God. And I want you to see it today. It's not that the other translations are wrong. I just want you to see the heart of God. 
in this translation. Romans 8 and 28 in the NIV. And we know that in. Would you say that word in? Amen. Say it again, in. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's that one small preposition that makes the difference. That one word changes our mindset from God causing all things so that good can come out of them to God working in all things. That one small word tells us that no matter what the enemy of our souls throws at us, no matter what Satan tries to derail your life with, no matter the storm, no matter the journey, no matter the circumstance, no matter what Satan throws at you, God is at work in that situation. That somehow, someway, God invades those moments of life and says, you know what? What you're trying to turn around is good. I'm going to turn it around and I'm, or, or as evil. I'm going to turn it around for good. I am going to make something happen in this person's life when the enemy tried to destroy them. There's so many questions here. There's so many things that I don't have the answers for. But I do know this, that in every situation, God has the ability to step right inside and go to work in that situation. That God is working even in the most tragic events to bring about good. And that preposition may be small, but the theological difference is quite large. Please allow me to get very personal and explain this theological difference. I'll never forget the day that Josh Hansen called me explaining that he was going to have to preach his first funeral and that it was for a child that had passed away at the orphanage that we support in Guatemala. As hard as they tried, they could not nurse baby Juan Jose, who was six months old, left there at the orphanage. They could not nurse him back to health. There were, there, it was a roller coaster ride. There were moments when, and we were praying for that child, and there were moments when, when he would improve and moments when he would he would take a, a, a dive, and, and, and unfortunately, he succumbed. He, he, he lost his life. He took his last breath, and Josh called me and said, Pastor Rocky, I've never done a funeral before. Can you help me? And I gave him some scriptures. I gave him a funeral outline and just, just tried to help walk him through it. Told him I'd be praying for him. Checked in on him in a few days just to make sure he was okay. But it wasn't until the summer of August 2014 when I was on a mission trip in Guatemala. It was the last night of our mission trip. Some of you were there with me. And our team was around a, a, a bonfire. There was a guitar and the team was singing. And some of the older kids from the orphanage were up there on the top of this, this mountain where the orphanage is at. And I look over in the distance on this concrete slab. And Josh Hanson is standing over there by himself. And I walked away from the bonfire and I walked over and this picture that's on the screen right now is a picture that someone from our team took and snapped of me and Josh standing there. Josh is the one that has the gut. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. I walked up to him and Josh was crying.
said, Josh, are you okay? And he was reliving that whole funeral scenario. Months later, but he was reliving it. Josh began to tell me that they had no place to hold the, the child's funeral. Juan Jose's funeral was in the cafeteria of the orphanage. It's not in here this nice. He told me that when the, the baby's body was prepared for burial, that they, the little, little wooden casket that they had made actually sat in, in his living room there at the orphanage overnight. And the next day when it was time for the funeral, he grabbed the little casket and he carried it down the hill to the cafeteria. And he said the house moms did the best job they possibly could to convert that cafeteria into a church. And all the children and the house moms and everyone came to celebrate a life that was so short to give proper respect to a baby that they didn't even know and didn't even hardly know his background. Josh and I stood there with tears running down our faces. And I said, Josh, never again. I said, God forbid that you ever have to bury another child. But if Destiny Community Church has anything to do with it, we will not allow that child to not have the proper funeral that it deserves so Josh how much would it cost to finish this chapel we're standing on the foundation of the chapel that was to be built and he said $25,000 and I said that's it he said 25 grand I said we'll do it next day we got on a plane to come home and I'm praying that the administrative council was on board with this I introduced it to them. We put our building fund on hold again for the last quarter of the year. We'd already done the first three months. Now we're taking the last two and a half months and we're going to, we're going to do the same exact thing. And you, over two and a half months, you've raised over $25,000 to build this. It's beautiful chapel. Look at this, look at this next picture here. That's what you built. And every week, children are worshiping there. There are children that are being baptized. They're coming to know Christ and being baptized in what they now call Destiny Chapel. What an honor for us. Now, here's my, my question to you. If everything happens for a reason, did God cause Juan Jose to die so that the chapel construction would be completed? I don't think so. That's ridiculous to even think that. That's messed up theology that a God that is loving, that the Bible describes him, that God is love. It's messed up to think that he would cause this baby, Juan Jose, to die just so that building, brick and mortar, so that that could be completed? No. 
doesn't work like that horrible theology. Or did God work through the tragedy? Did God step into a situation that Satan orchestrated? Did God step into that tragedy of Juan Jose's death to move on the hearts of the faithful people of DCC to, to, to donate $25,000 and build a, trap, a chapel that children worship in every week? Yes, that's exactly what happened. That God invaded that situation. That God walked in. He came into it. That God worked in that situation. James 1 and 17 tells me every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. I know that. I know that that is true. If every good and perfect gift comes from heaven, then you cannot say that God causes all the bad things to happen in life. Here's what I know, and this is very quick theological discussion. We can have it at some other time. But, but there is an enemy that has been given a dominion over this atmosphere when, when humanity sinned, and he causes bad things to happen on this planet. But there is a God that says, if you will trust in me, I will step into those situations, and I will make sense of it some way, somehow. And even though a baby lost his life because of the schemes of the enemy, I will step into that and I will make something wonderful happen out of that. And so I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing right now in life. But I can tell you this. If it's not a good and perfect gift, it comes from Satan. It's an attack on your life. It's his scheme against you. But I promise you this. If you will allow him to, God will come into that situation. He will invade into it. He wants to show up into it because he wants to just mess up the enemy's schemes. He wants to, to, to confuse the enemy. He wants to just put the enemy on notice that when you mess with a child of God, I will take what you meant for evil and I will turn it around for good. So whatever it is, whatever it is, everything happens for a reason. Yes. After God steps into it. After God invades that situation, he'll create a reason when there wasn't a reason before. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.